What's going on, everybody? Thank you all for tuning into another episode of Pixel Splitters, or welcome here if you're new. This is a show where two guys talk about movies and uh, tech news as well. And as always, we are your hosts. My name is Josh. And my name is Willis. And today we've got some fairly interesting news to talk about. Some movie news, mostly, actually, honestly, it's pretty much all movie and like the industry news that we're going to be talking about today. I don't think we really have much tech stuff to talk about, um, really. Well, I guess the one of the yeah. things is slightly little, tech related. Uh, a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. But mostly filmmaking. Yeah, but how are you doing, man? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's uh, it's, We're getting into those nice days of summer, and I'm like digging being outside. Working yeah, on my tan. man. Mid-70s. Like we're getting into the 80s now in Massachusetts. Yeah. I'm, I'm Not oppressively it. hot yet, but... Yes, it'll get there, but not yet. <laughs> so you want to give us a rundown real quick? Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh we're gonna go over we're gonna talk a little bit about Spiral, uh the new Saw reboot, spin-off, uh, you know, extension of the franchise. We're also gonna talk about the new Snake Eyes trailer that just came out, I think, today. We are going to do a little bit of Tom Cruise news because, you know, we love Tom Cruise, but there's also a little bit of controversy going on with the newest thing that he's going to be shooting, which is supposed to take place in space. Tom Cruise news should be a show. Yeah, I know. Honestly, on it, its own. It, yeah. it could be its own thing. Oh, my God. Uh, and then later on, we're going to talk a little bit more about virtual filmmaking and how that is uh, playing a role into the industry and what's going to happen with the, all that stuff, especially with the the insane success of The Mandalorian and everything. And then at the very end, we are going to talk about the recently announced Friends reunion that has been teased for the last 20 years. The finally, finally, finally confirmed Friends reunion. Yes. And I don't even bl- I'll believe it when I see it actually happen because, yeah. you know. They dropped a trailer, and I'm making air quotes already in this episode, but I, yeah. I don't even know if that qualifies as really anything. That's no. a yeah, I, yeah, yeah. If you we'll haven't watched it. it, watch it. Yeah, it's yeah. But uh, but yeah. So I guess let's um, let's just kind of dive right into the first topic that we're gonna kind of get into, and that is yes. kind of a little more franchise stuff. Hope you guys aren't sick of it yet, but we're gonna talk a little bit about franchise revival. And rebooting because Spiral just came out l- over the past weekend, and if you're not a fan of Saw or anything like that, Spiral is essentially an extension slash spinoff, kind of, but also a little bit of a continuation of the story from the first eight or nine Saw films. Who can really even keep track of how many there are at this point? Who can? Every every one is the last one, and then they do yeah. another one, and it's like, yeah. it's just never going to be over, and it's just a marketing ploy, and you know. So, I don't know how you feel about, well, I know you're not a horror guy, and yeah. you probably, I mean, I'm not a huge, like, torture porn kind of guy, like, that's not really my yeah. type of movie. I can appreciate them. But I don't know you. What did you think of the trailer for this film versus the feeling from like the original Saw films? So, with this trailer for me, it seems like it's much more oriented into like being its own thing. Mm. Like it, it feels a lot like a more classic thriller than really like a, a torture porn like 
you know, slasher film. Right. And like, there's actual legitimate real names attached to it. Um, yeah. Now, like, I, as you said, I'm not a huge fan of like horror films and things like that. So like, I think I saw the first, maybe the second saw movies, but I, like after that, I was kind of like, uh, okay. Yeah. Um. So like I say, yeah, there's names attached to it, but there could definitely have been names attached to the other ones that I'm just not aware of. Do you, are, is there, am I speaking? Fairly? No, you're, you're definitely in the, I mean, let me see here. Cause they, there was realistically apart from uh, the only reason I know Lee Winnell is because he's was a writing partner with James Wan. He was an insidious and I was a big fan of James Wan at the beginning. So I know sure. for me, he was a, he was a big actor, but real realistically, no, there was, there was nobody super mainstream a-listers in any of those movies uh from one on so that that's the kind of thing no one on sam jackson or chris rock chris rock's level N not even that's close. fair to say no, I, yeah not to say that the, the people in them did poorly it was just they were cheaper movies like which is what it was yeah. so the, i mean i guess i'll just jump to my my main thought around this is like and i think this about uh the snake eyes trailer that dropped um Today, today mm -hmm. being Monday, um, so a few days ago, if you're listening to this. Yes. Why Why does this have to be a Saw movie? Yeah. And Or why does this have to be a, a G.I. Joe origin story film? Like, there's so many of these franchise things that I'm like, this could just be a movie on its own. You know 100%. what I mean? Percent. Yeah. Like the I from the trailer for Spiral, I was I was getting severe like seven vibes off yeah. of it and things like that, and I think it's definitely heavily influenced by that. Um, oh God, yeah. But it's like it's one of those like, well, why not just make a seven esque thriller with Chris Rock and like give us a different villain, give us a um, shit. Now I'm not going to remember Kevin Spacey's character's name in. Seven. Oh, and seven. Uh, uh, this is embarrassing. John. Oh, it's John Doe. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's why you care. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. Um, yeah. Oh god. So like, why not? Like, why instead of going back to Jigsaw or something like that, why not give us like something that's a little fresher and you know can go in any direction you want without being tethered to this this franchise? Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah, and I don't know if that has to do with the fact that, like, Chris Rock was the one who wanted to get this movie. Maybe it was just, a, like, he just a huge fan of Saw, and he wanted to do another Saw movie, which, I you know, is fine, but I agree with you. This doesn't need to be a Saw movie, and in a lot of cases, it probably would work better if it wasn't, because you don't, because yeah. people are obviously going to be comparing this new movie to everything that came before it, whether or not it fits or if it's good or not. Yeah. There's already a fan base around Saw, and if this doesn't feel like a Saw movie, the fan base isn't going to like it. And if it's not a good movie in general, then the public isn't going to like it. So it's... Well, that, that begs the question, like, is it being in the Saw universe, quote-unquote, like, mm -hmm. is that going to be enough to get Saw fans in and then, like, whatever, it doesn't, like, if they're making their own film and they're like, but also we can bring in this built in demographic to, to the theaters mm -hmm. or yeah. Theaters. It came out in theaters. It came right? out in theaters. Yeah. Yeah. If we can bring in this built in demographic, that's going to see any saw movie that comes out. Like once they're in the theater, do we care how much, as long as they like enjoy it in some capacity, do we, they care how much it's uh, tied into like the saw universe. 
I don't know. I, I know that on Twitter, I've seen a lot of people super hyped about this movie who were yeah. Saw fans in the past. But you're right. I don't know if this is if that's any indication of really anything about how well this movie is going to do, or if this is going to be even something that is like relatively successful at what it's doing. Because again, I don't really know what it's trying to do at this point. I haven't yeah. seen it. Neither of us have seen it, so we're yeah. kind of speculating. But but I don't know. It's for me. It's the fact that it seems like these studios and these filmmakers are using these IPs as just some other, like a leveraging tool. Like, yeah, and this didn't have to be Saw. Yeah, and like I think IP is the, the magic word of the day. Yeah. Um, because with, so when we when we start talking about like Snake Eyes and things like that as like part of the G.I. Joe universe, I'm like, so, well, here's the question. Like, both of these movies, are these both belonging to dead franchises? Is this an attempt? Like, I, I would say arguably, like, definitely G.I. Joe's a dead franchise. Like, Oh, God, yeah. I think It was the, never the, a live franchise for movies. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the last one came out in, like, 2011 or 12. Like, it's been a hot minute since... Yeah, uh, Rise of the Cobra. Had, that was the first one. It was... Um, oh, was it, like, Retaliation or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All oh. I could think was Annihilation. I'm like, no, oh, that was Mortal God. Kombat. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, like... So, like... I was thinking about Snake Eyes earlier, and I'm like, so what's going on here? Like, why are we getting a G.I. Joe? Why another G.I. Joe movie if the franchise has failed? I was arguing in my head. I'm like, oh, well, th- maybe it's like a uh, a rights thing where they have to make a film every 10 years to maintain the rights. But I was like, no, like Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe, that's Hasbro. Hasbro's doing their own thing. You know, th- like they own the property. They're not trying. They're not at risk of it getting taken away anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the, the the thought I had around that then is like, it's just, I think Snake Eyes, and I'll bring this back to Spiral in a minute, but I think Snake Eyes is trying to mimic the same move that um, Bumblebee did with Transformers. Yes. Which are both Hasbro properties. Yeah. Um, you know, and they're like, oh yeah, we got this, we had all of this huge franchise going on with, I think they made, what, six five transformers movies five not counting bumblebee not counting bumblebee five at least yeah and then it kind of like petered out well i suppose i can't even say that because like i think all of them made like a billion dollars like yeah there's never been a not profitable um transformers movie but they brought it back to like an origin story of one of their main characters um and it did fairly well for him i have more respect for bumblebee than i do for some of the other uh (laughs) incarnations in that franchise Oh, me too. I like that movie. Yeah, yeah. So th- this to me feels like them trying to pull that same rabbit out of a hat, and like to a degree, just like I think spirals in that same vein of someone saying, "Hey, we have this IP that's like established that we haven't done anything with in a while. Let's see if we can pull something out with it." Here's a script that Chris Rock wants to do. If he's attached, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm really curious if if Spiral was a Saw movie when Chris Rock brought brought it to them, or if he just wanted to do some kind of horror thriller and it got pulled into the Saw franchise. 
Yeah, I from what I've read because I heard about this way, like a long time ago. I heard about him bringing like a saw specific piece to them. I don't yeah. know if it was a full script or if it was just an idea, but I think it was saw like centered because I think he's just a big fan of the series, which is so funny to me. I just like yeah, me, I mean, and like, like totally legit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if I was a famous movie star, I'd be like pulling properties all over the place and be like, I want to be in that movie. Yeah. I want and to be in it, that movie. And then it happens and you're like, that's crazy. Like he made that, ha- he's like, I want to be in a Saw movie. And yeah. guess what? They did it. They pulled Saw out from the grave and they did it again. I'm like, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. The question then begs is like, will this be a jumping off point for like Spiral 2 or Spiral mm. 3 or Spiral 8? Right. Or are we going to start getting a bunch of different origin stories from the G.I. Joe universe? Yeah. And it's funny because Snake Eyes, I feel like, is one that they've been holding. I feel like that was their, mm-hmm. like, their, like, up-the-sleeve type move. Because everyone, like, from the beginning, people are like, oh, Snake Eyes is the fan. I feel like it's the fan favorite. I'm not a big G.I. Joe guy, but. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah, like. Oh, like I'm just off the top of my head. I haven't thought about G.I. Joe in a long time, but like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I can think of Snake Eyes. I can think of Cobra. Mm-hmm. I can think of the Baroness. And like like a lot of the main G.I. Joe characters like aren't coming to mind off the top of my head. So like, right. it is something that's, um, you know, if there was a character to pull um, for an origin story, it would be that one. Yeah. But I'll I'll bring that back around to say like that that's the exact same sentence that someone probably said when they were talking about X-Men Origins Wolverine. Oh good lord, yeah. Which, you know, like I remember when that started there was going to be five or six different origin stories from the X-Men universe. We were going to yeah. get a Magneto movie, we were going to get a Wolverine movie, we were going to get a what were the other ones? I think a Beast movie. I don't know. Probably an but, Xavier one. Yeah, probably. But didn't happen because well well i will say they kind of did it in a way with the new with the um with the Mm. first class movies because you do get a set but there wasn't like a xavier's movie magneto's movie like you got to see kind of where they came from in a different way in a in a way that i think worked a lot better yeah yeah and i yeah so like i'm somewhat excited for snake eyes yeah, I don't know that the like that this is going to get me interested in another GI Joe movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. or if it's going to get me interested in like Snake Eyes two or like because then we're just pulling back to the same thing of like, well, but like, can't this just be its own thing? Like, if we're going to get four, you know, modern samurai kind of movies, why not just bring in some kind of new? original ip that's not tethered to the the gi joe world yeah which i don't know i mean the answer the answer to that is hasbro because you know but yeah i don't know it's it would be interesting to see these same kind of things just not tethered to a franchise yeah and i honestly it's worrying to me when they do stuff like this because i'm like you what what this tells me is you couldn't like, you don't have the faith that this movie's good enough alone to stand on its own without the pre-existing stuff. And maybe that's not yeah. true, 
but for Snake Eyes especially, Spiral, I I do think Chris Rock just wanted to make a Saw movie, and that's kind of what happened. So I that's a cut for yeah. me. It's a little different, but with this stuff and X Men Origins Wolverine, although you, the Wolverine character is a little different, it worries me. It makes me nervous because it's like, do you not think that this could survive on its own? without the ip like without people yeah. understanding this is snake eyes like because it looks relatively cool although the director makes me nervous again because of the stuff he's done but sure it worries me like is do you not think this is good enough to stand on its own like did this studios not think this is good enough to stand on its own without oh it's snake eye like there's because there will be there will be people who would just see a snake eyes movie without even seeing a trailer yeah so, and there's going to be people who see this that have no idea until the title comes up that it's a G.I. Joe thing. Right. You know what I mean? Like short of a G.I. Joe origin story in the title, which like is OK. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you could say, hey, this is a Snake Eyes character. And like like we said, the last two G.I. Joe movies were like 10, 12 years ago. So like there's probably a whole generation of, you know, 12 year olds, 13 year olds that are going to go see this movie. They have no idea that there's been a. uh yeah. A previous G.I. Joe incarnation. Um, it's true. So I don't know. It, it's interesting to think because I'm like, if this wasn't an IP, would it be a movie or would it be a series? Mm. Both of them. You know what I mean? Like, because, uh, you know, we said at the top, Spiral has seven vibes, but it also has true detective vibes. Very much so. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's where non-IP... Uh, kind of ideas end up these days is no, not that there's not IP heavy uh, series, but sure. Di- but Disney's its own case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I, I will probably not see spiral. I do love Chris rock. Um, and I haven't yeah. seen Chris rock in anything for a while. So I'm like, okay, cool. It's cool to see him uh, back on the screen, but I, I will probably, I don't know. He's not doing this Chris Rock thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Snake Eyes, I'm, I'm, yeah. We'll see. I'll see when a second trailer comes out. That that's probably when I'll I'll start getting pumped for it. But um, yeah, I I don't know. I I think I will see Spiral just to see because I have seen almost all, if not all, the Saw movies. So I was just interested just for the sake sure, of seeing continuity. what the heck this was going to be. Review reviews wise people are saying stuff but um i'll probably see both just to see them because i'm really interested in seeing what they're doing with these because i think these days it's harder to just rely on on ip yeah like you you if the mandalorian or if wandavision sucked yeah we would have been like this is garbage and we're not watching it like it's just disgracing the like the source material yeah so I think the level of quality for stuff like this has definitely gone up and people expect that stuff. It's interesting to me. I had a thought uh, when you put those two next to each other of the Mandalorian and WandaVision is, so those are both IP, but those are not A-list IP. True. Those are back burner IP pro Like the Mandalorian, you know, before the Mandalorian, how many... Oh. Oh, I'm going to make enemies right now. But how many Star Wars fans? <laughs> and yes, nerds, I hear you that are going, uh, uh, uh. Um, <laughs> but how many, how I many do. Star Wars fans? <laughs> I'll say casual Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, knew what a Mandalorian was. Boba Fett, sure. But if you haven't watched like the, um, the series, like, you know, Rebels and, and Clone Wars, 
how even it like involved are you with that lore? And the same with WandaVision, like, yeah, Wanda and Vision were in the main things, but it's like, that's a very large departure from the main franchise. So, yeah. So maybe Snake Eyes should be a series. I'm, it's kind of yeah. making me think that now. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens with everything because I, I don't know. They're, the original pieces that come out seem so few and far in between these days that yeah. it's like everything seems to be either franchise related or a reboot of something or, you know, it's just like we talked about yeah. West Side Stories getting reboot. Like everything is just not really... Yeah, it's just... Everything's based on something at this point. It is, and it's hard. Which I also, like, I feel like we shouldn't necessarily say that because it's not true, but, like, you know, like, I mean, you look at, like, the Oscars and things like that, like, you know, plenty of original stuff coming out of there. Sure. Not coming out of the Oscars, but you know what I mean. Plenty of original things highlighted there, but that kind of stuff doesn't get near the press. Right that these big franchise things do. And I think that's one of the big things is I think there is still a fair amount of original stuff coming out, but it largely goes unnoticed. I mean, how many titles does Netflix put on its servers in a given week? Yeah. You know what I mean? That like just go unnoticed, but I don't know. It's, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I'm like staring at these. I'm like, do either of these feel like a reboot? They're more of a continuation. Yeah. But of kind of dead like material, so it's like it it feels like a yeah. reboot. But I guess you're right; it's not really because they're not. It's a continuation of the story. It's not just like oh, we're gonna do the Saw movie again. It's like no, this is in the same universe as Saw, yeah. established in the world. Yeah, more of like a spinoff movie, I guess. Yeah. Um, but interesting. But yeah, I don't know, man. We'll we'll have to keep tabs on this stuff because I'm yeah getting a little exhausted with this like rehashing of the same stuff but if it's good it's good i'm not going to complain about good content it just has to be good and it's very rare that you see stuff like this and it's good yeah so it's like there's there's a level to which if it has this size and spectacle of these two like franchises well we're getting back to the same thing we talked about last week of like then you're talking studio interference and how good can it really be like how much can a talented filmmaker be let loose on it and have them do it the way they want exactly exactly yeah i want to actually well yeah, go ahead. no no go no ahead. i want to i want to tie us up and move us to the next thing so oh i was gonna say that's a perfect segue into what our next topic oh shit well then let me ruin another transition <laughs> and, and bring it back here real quick i want to start a new thing that uh i think will be actually pretty fun and enlightening um yeah for these things uh as we talk about movies in this podcast, I think we should tail end each one with, will I see it in theaters or at home? Mm, or uh, at all. Or at all, yeah. Um, so, Spiral. Theaters, home, or pass? We'll get a better term for this. I will probably, yeah, yeah. I will probably see it in theaters just because I'm thinking of re-upping my AMC pass. So, sure. it's just one of those things that I'll probably Gets easier, see it in yeah. theaters. Yeah. What about you? Probably uh, I'm, I'm gonna. I th- I'm gonna straight up. I think pass on spiral. Yeah, yeah. Um, if if I have like several people come at me and be like, "Dude, oh my god!" Yeah. If it gets like uh, six sense level lore around it, I might be like, "All right, I gotta check this out." But yeah, that's. Um, and then snake eyes. Snake eyes. I will. 
I will see Snake Eyes in the theaters because I think that is a movie that should be... It's a blockbuster. It's one that they want you to see in theaters. And again, Stubbs, I'm going to go use yeah, my pass. Yeah. Uh, I will probably see that one in the theaters too. Um, although I'll, I'll put a caveat on that of let me see the uh, the second um, trailer. Yeah, before you make any real judgment yeah. about it. Yeah. So. yeah. All right, so uh, let's pretend like we're wrapping up and <laughs> you wanted to bring us into a transition. Yes. Well, the transition, we were talking about studio interference and letting people do their thing. And there's no better person to talk about when talking about studio interference than Tom freaking Cruise. Because the man himself, I mean, what, after Mission Impossible 2, he said, nope, I'm producing all my movies from now on so that I can do literally whatever I want to. And they don't they can't say no to me. Yes. Which beautiful transition, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm going to let you do them from now on. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I tend to just talk about them. <laughs> we'll see. So we'll, you know, we'll, we'll go back and forth, you know. Okay. So, those of you who don't know, Tom Cruise and our boy Doug Lyman, who has done movies like Mr. and Mrs. Smith and Jumper. The Born Identity. The Born Identity. They w- were supposed to be the very first filmmaking crew to shoot actually in outer space like at the iss like the international space station that's their plan yes and they're going to be filming in late october of 2021 which is already just like insane the fact that they're doing it at all is like of course it's tom cruise but it's just never been done before yeah but just this week i read an article where a russian production crew or company is actually sending a crew into space for their own film literally two weeks before (laughs) tom cruise so it's just this weird like other space race type thing but the real reason i wanted to talk about this is because i want to get your thoughts on what you think about having someone as high profile as tom cruise Mm -hmm. having so much control over what they're doing and especially when it comes to stunts because basically he likes to do his own stunts i don't know he's he's pretty much a stunt guy at this point and he does some of the craziest stuff that no stunt people would even do really because they're not allowed to um you know getting strapped on the on the outside of planes as they're taking off jumping across roofs with a line on it you know there's some insane stuff it's it's essentially the reason that the mission impossible franchise still exists is for tom cruise to do crazy stuff do crazy stuff which is why they're actually going into space versus shooting it on a damn green screen yes and i just want to know what your thoughts are on is that detrimental? Do you think that's more detrimental to filmmaking than it is valuable because of the risk that's involved? Because he put like he broke his leg on a Mission Impossible five, I think, and mm-hmm. they were out for like seven months because he was yeah. healing. And I'm sure they have some sort of production insurance for that stuff, but I don't know. I just I, it's just interesting to me because he's one of the only people who does stuff like this. Yeah, um, and and to that point, I think like him having his own production company is a big part of that. Cause like you touched mm-hmm. on it, like if I was insuring a movie and like, I don't know why Tom Hanks is the next uh, actor that comes in my head, but like <laughs> Tom Hanks was like, Oh no, like I want to clamp myself to the side of a airplane and have it take off. I'd be like, absolutely fucking not. Tom right. Hanks, go sit down. Yeah. We're um, not even going to have a stunt guy do that. We're just not going to do it. Yeah. Like there's so many less, uh, potentially tragic ways to do that that being said like is it detrimental is it detrimental to a production to have their star be willing to do that i don't 
really think so. I mean, what you said of like, hey, yeah, like if something happens to him, that can shut down the production. But in that same vein, there's a million things that could shut down a production for seven months. You know what I totally. mean? Totally. Um, yeah. So like it makes things considerably more complicated. Right. But is it really like a, a detriment? I don't, I don't know. I mean, is Tom Cruise insane? Yeah. Of course. You know, I mean. For different um, reasons. Like, I think a, a lot of these stunts that he's doing for the Mission Impossible things. Yeah, I think you said it earlier, like, if he wasn't going to do them, they wouldn't even have a stunt person. They'd be like, oh, yeah, we'll just, like, do this in a on a green screen in in a studio. Yeah, throw someone in a mocap suit and just be done with it. Like. Yeah, which, like, that I'll say, like, it's cooler with the more realistic kind of thing. I don't know, like... Does having Tom Cruise hanging off the side of a building for, you know, a three minute sequence or a four minute sequence, does that like, am I really going to notice that? Right. If I didn't know going in that, oh yeah, Tom Cruise is like actually doing this. Is it really going to be a thing that I'm like, oh yeah, you know, would I notice the CG? Probably not. The argument that I then had in my head was, well, but like. I do know that he's doing that stuff himself. And I feel like for Mission Impossible movies, at least, that's usually a, a, a bit of a pull for me to the theater. Is like, let's see what insane son he did this time. Same. Yeah. And I mean, like he learned how to halo jump. He learned mm-hmm. how to actually, he's been a pilot for years, but he, in the new Top Gun Mavericks, mm-hmm. he's actually taking off from those aircraft carriers in a fighter jet. Like, he, yeah. The stuff he does... It's, it does add a lot of value because you go in knowing that he's actually doing them. And it's some stuff that's like you couldn't really mimic that. You could try and mimic these things yeah. on a green screen. It just wouldn't look the same. But that's a good point of being like knowing that that is how he does it going in. That yeah. drastically affects why. Like Mission Impossible movies are, they are what they are. I'm not in love yeah. with them. I don't hate them. I go pretty much to see what his next thing is. Yeah. Like, how crazy is this going to be? Like, I do enjoy them, but it's, I want to see him actually halo jump. I want to see him hang off exactly. the side of a plane. Yeah, and then to, to bring it back to the space thing, I'm like, that's pretty fucking cool. You know yeah. what I mean? And, like, uh, uh, good on him uh, for Breaking Barrier. And I, I want to know, it, it should be noted that Doug Lyman uh, is pretty insane when it comes to that stuff, too. Yeah. You know, he's he's definitely somebody that's known for, for pushing... Uh, pushing boundaries and whatnot, not quite as much as Tom Cruise, I'd say, but like he, you know, I don't know. I, I, so I have this other podcast I do called the movie brewer and I just, uh, covered his, um, shameless plug. Uh, I just covered (laughs) his quarantine movie, um, called lockdown, uh, that he shot. Yeah. He shot during quarantine and to get to that, he was locked down here in Massachusetts and to get to that, he flew himself from Boston to London via like, in like a a one prop plane landing in like Greenland and Iceland and like jumping along the way, which is like, you know, a little insane yourself if you're like, and then shot a movie in the middle of quarantine, you know? So like he's, yeah. Um, he's no one to, to sort of shy away from a challenge either. Um, so like them together, I'm like, yeah, of course they're going to space. Like that would be the only logical, um, it's interesting because the space thing for me seems more like a, uh, 
a logistical challenge than an actual like I don't want to say bravery, but like stunt like kind of thing. Right. You know what I mean? I'm like, like yeah, people like, freaking live up there. It's yeah, like, like you just got to get them up there and then figure out how to film while they're floating around. But like, right, right. It, it'll just add. I think. I think. What it comes down to for him is it adds a level of authenticity that you don't get off of other films because you know yeah. he's doing it for real. So there, it, there's a different level there of like. Not necessarily even danger. It's just this actually is real. Like we know he's doing. It's like yeah. This is why I'm so in love with like the old, like a lot of old cinema, like mm-hmm. indie, like Indiana Jones. It's like they were doing. They didn't have VFX to do yeah. that stuff, so they were doing these things. Like it adds this, just this sense of reality that you don't get just throwing someone on a green screen. And I know VFX, they're so good now that you can't even tell. Yeah. But just knowing that, it just adds another level of authenticity. Well, yeah, and like Indian stuff, but like you can go even further back to like, you know, like Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin films. Oh, yeah. It's like they... It, yeah, Buster it, Keaton. It adds a level of like necessary creativity. I think that's mm-hmm. lost a lot of times of like, you know, so we're talking about him going to space. It's like they're going to have to figure out how to do this in space. You know what I mean? Which you're like, sure, yeah, they've had cameras up in you know, the space station before, but like, you know, they need to figure out what a camera move looks like in zero G what, how you, you know, I don't know. I'm making stuff up now, but like how sound (laughs) travels differently in zero G or like, totally. Um, so it's like, that's the nice thing of it's forcing a level of creativity that I think is lost a lot. Um, when you can just throw to a green screen, hundred percent. And also, like, it's two guys who've never been into space, so it's like they're going to have to basically learn while they're there (laughs) and shoot it. Like, there's no, let's practice. Like, yeah, you can go into the, you know, you can do the the planes that do, like, the dips, and you can pretend to be in zero G, but it's like, it's, I assume it's really nothing like being in space. Like, there's a whole other thing. Yeah, for sure. I'm curious how many people they're sending. I think it's just them two. Just the two? I honestly think it's just it's because it's so expensive to get yeah. there. It's like that's their whole budget essentially. It's like sending two dudes into space. Yeah, <laughs> but that's like it's like one of those things. It's like that's gonna be enough for me to like go see this movie of like I want to see what Tom Space is doing. What Tom Space? Tom Space. What Tom Cruise is doing in space? <laughs> Same. Um, and like how it looks compared to like oh yeah this is just him on a wire truss in a green screen room. Right. Hundred percent. Yeah, I I agree completely. And it's and maybe that's just all it is. Maybe it's just adding that level of not even danger, but just let's see what he can pull off. You know, let's see what he can do. What what he's not yeah. like afraid to do. And yeah, I wonder. I kind of I don't know. It, Tom Cruise is in his own echelon of actor because yeah. he's he's realist. He's fairly untouchable. So it's like not that many people could get away with producing all their own movies having their own production company yeah but i would i would love to see that because when you have stunt people do a lot of stuff you you obviously have to have them mostly facing away you can't get any real close-ups on them because they're not you can't see their faces yeah so i don't know i i kind of want to see if there's any other actors out there who are into stuff like this because i i do love when tom cruise does it like the only one the only one that I'd kind of put in the same like category and I'm like already caveating this in my head but like I think Will Smith is in that same kind of vibe mm. of like he can sort of do whatever he wants. Yeah. Um 
he's doing a weight loss series at this point, but, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like there, I think Will Smith still has that range that like not range, but pull of if he wanted to do something in space, I, I feel like someone would back him on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, just, like outside yeah. of those, I don't think there's many stars that big. I don't think so. And even in and, and stars that would even want to do it. Like, I don't think Will Smith would want to do it. Like he's got a family and he's like, I don't think he would be as into that stuff as Tom Cruise. Cause Tom Cruise wants to be an action star still, yeah. which I don't think a lot of like Will Smith, I go back and forth on because he did a lot of that stuff, but he also had his hand in tons of comedies and dramas and sure. he's great at all of it. Whereas Tom Cruise is like, no, and he had his run at the Oscar stuff, but he now he's like, I want to be the action guy. Yeah. And I don't think yeah. that many people are as into that these days. Not at his age, I'd say. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. Um, um, and, and you have to be his age to have that kind of pull because he's yeah. been working in Hollywood for that long. It's just yeah. like, you know. It's interesting. Yeah, it, it's interesting. So the other, I feel like this should be noted just so people don't think we're forgetting this, but uh, Doug Lyman and, and Tom Cruise worked together before on... Uh, edge of tomorrow yes love it which is like the movie. crazy yeah um and there's like a sequel of coming to that apparently uh that emily blunt was quoted saying that the script is amazing but it's too expensive to make um which just f- makes the mind run wild of <laughs> like factors <laughs> yeah like <laughs> what tom cruise vehicle right now is too expensive <laughs> to make yeah and also how do you sequel that movie whatever it doesn't matter it doesn't matter well i don't have a good segue for the next one. Oh, see man i i threw one to you and like this one's it's like right in front of you because we're talking about like being in a green screen room oh tsh. you know you but like said it. why why we be in a in a green screen room when you can uh reach into the uh the virtual filmmaking world and uh use an led wall for your VFX. I had it at the beginning and then that went spiraled wildly. That's okay. That's our segue, guys. So we're now talking about virtual filmmaking if you didn't if you didn't pick yes. up on that. So within the last year, and I don't know, this wasn't something that had to do with COVID necessarily. I think they were working on stuff like this already. I know that because um I just follow this channel called Corridor Digital and they were they got to see um like a virtual set like years ago when they were working on it. But basically, virtual production is a way of just saying that they're now able to do things in a way where the the actors and the filmmakers are actually, uh, what's the word, like enveloped in the surroundings by sure. using ultra dense LED panels to just projection map everything out there, so you can just have your virtual set there. Yeah picture perfect and not have to have anything built or using you know the green screen basically yeah so essentially like your actors are standing in front of a large very detailed led wall uh and that's the environment they're in right right yeah and uh this is what they use to shoot the mandalorian on which is why when everyone was saying oh my god why does this look so good it's like no they shot this on a soundstage my friend, yeah. and they didn't use any green screen, or I don't know that for a fact, but I'm pretty sure they didn't use much green screen at all. Um, and the way they do it is they actually use both like digital recreations of 
environments and stuff like that, as well as photo re recreations of environments hmm. stitched together to create something. And they also use the Unreal Engine, which is like a video game engine used to essentially just, I don't even know how to explain it, but animate things as they're happening. Like yeah, you, to react you, in time to movements from characters. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, like, when you move the camera, it's actually moving the perspective shift works on the background. Yeah. You know, it's not just like, oh, it's a flat background. You move to the right, it now looks at a slant. It's like, no, the perspective shifts because it's yeah. a big, like, circular thing. Yeah. It's so, not just a, a standing in front of a TV. It's a yeah. much more elaborate system. Right. It's like a learn. It's like a whole thing that's learning as it's going. It's really cool. And it is kind of changing the way that films are being made because I've heard actors yeah. firsthand talk about it and they're like, this is a game changer because I know that they hate shooting on green screen. Yes. So you don't know what the fuck you're looking at. Yeah. Like, oh, there's an alien up there. Just pretend. We don't know what it looks like yet, but it's up there. Yeah. Just pretend that it's there and that you're really afraid of it. And it's just like, now they don't have to do that stuff. Now it's like, oh, you're in a beautiful, you know, you're you're by the ocean. You can actually projection map that out and you're by the ocean now. So the actors, I think it just gives them so much more to play with. They don't have yeah. to just have it all up here. Uh, absolutely. And I'm tapping my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, it is, like, from an actor perspective, it's got to be a game changer. You know what I mean? I, like, yeah, like you're saying, I know so many actors that are, like, yeah, like, like acting on green screen is an entirely different style of acting. Um, you know what I mean? Like, there's, yeah, interacting with you know, other people or a set or something like that. But like when someone says to you, okay, walk over to that box on the ground, pretend that box is a stove. And on top of that stove is a tea kettle and then pour tea from that. Like, and just all of that's just like, there's a tea kettle sitting on a box in the middle of a green room. Yeah. Like that's a whole nother level of acting compared to like being in a room that, that all of that is actually there and you can play off of it. Um, so yeah, from an actor perspective, I think it's a whole different ball game. From a cinematography perspective, I think it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. But like, where does it land in relationship to like shooting on a green screen in terms of like cost versus perceived up in production value? Mm. It's a similar kind of thing we were talking about a minute ago with uh, Tommy Cruz there. Yeah. Because realistically, it's gotten so cheap to do VFX these days that that's why people do that stuff is because they're like, okay, we have a relatively small budget. Rather than making a bunch of miniatures and all these sets, mm -hmm. it's so much cheaper to just outsource this to a VFX house, have them do it, and you know, send us back something that looks relatively good. Yeah. But it's weird because they move. Like, I think once it becomes more popular and more people are doing it, obviously, that's when things become a lot cheaper. And I think it's good that Disney was the one to kind of start this off because they've yeah. got the deepest pockets for sure. So they're able to show everyone what this technology can really do. Because, again, they shot The Mandalorian all on this stuff. And whether or not you like the show, you can't deny that it's gorgeous. Like everything, the cinematography, yeah. the, the the color, the, the backgrounds, the sets. And they also use a lot of miniature work with, with mo um, motion control rigs, which is really awesome. So everything looks almost perfect yeah um but but i don't know that show was the most expensive show to ever be made so yeah. <laughs> so i feel like that'll be the real sort of test of this is 
like, yeah, when you've got that Disney money and you can throw whatever you want to make it look perfect, amazing. What are we going to see when we start getting like the knockoff LED walls where it is, you know, some, you know, B movie creator has taken 15, 85 inch TVs uh, and strung them all together and is projection mapping, you know, something like how is that going to read and how is that going to be received, you know, compared to, to a green screen thing. And it's tough because there's always tiers of this technology. You know what I mean? Like, I know you've dealt with people that are like, yeah, I'm doing green screen and I have a, you know, I've painted my wall green uh, and I have my overhead light and that's going to be my green screen. Uh, And why can't, why can't I key this out correctly? Right. Um, You know, and then you get like the step up where it's people that do know how to green screen, but can't do the the VFX on the other side. And then you get the step up from there where it's like, yeah, they've kind of got both, but like not really the budget to make it look completely flawless so like there's still so like i feel like this led we're at the very beginning steps of it right now of this led tech um and i feel weird calling it an led tech because like leds have been around forever like it needs a catchier name um so like tech gods get on that yeah figure something out because this is yeah we can't keep calling it led i mean i like walls LED yeah. walls. I like to just say the volume because that's what they call the one that's in the Disney for the for the Mandalorian. So All I right. think the volume. Well, damn, that's awesome. sexy. Yeah, the volume. Uh, so, like, I guess that's kind of where where my mind goes is like, how adaptable is this going to be? Like, how long does this take before it's easily done by lesser productions? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, which will happen. You know, like technology ever increasing, but. I don't know. I feel like I'm thinking back to the first days of um, 3D uh, projection in in cinemas uh, when we got like Avatar that was like shot in 3D. And then they were like, oh, wait, people will go to see 3D. Uh, Let's do everything. And then we get, you know, the post created uh, 3D effects where, you know, they've just cut out the person and be like, this is further closer to you. And, you know, I feel like that wave of this tech is coming, but I mean, we had the same thing with, with green screen and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. One of the other notes you have here is like, what does this kind of tech mean for like other positions on set? Yeah. You know, um, like set designers and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about actors, we talked about cinematographers, but like, yeah, like how, what does this mean for a set designer? Because realistically, for this to be a set designer, you have to kind of be a VFX artist in a way, yeah. like because you, you're you're designing a virtual set, and whether or not you're taking like real photography or not from it, you still have to integrate that in with this thing that's not like you're not just creating a set, building it. Yeah, like you are building it in a sense, but it's not like a a tangible thing you can touch. Yeah. So will they have to transition into that role, or will they just their jobs be become obsolete and now they're gonna always be like real sets to a point like there's stuff sure. in the mandalorian they made like the ships some of the ships they made you know the yeah. interior well anything for. that like you actually have to interact with you know it's not like this is like a uh a three-dimensional like interactive hologram kind of thing right right but uh yeah i mean it, it begs the whole question it, it it kind of gives a in terms of set decks like a, a 
a leg up to animators and yeah. like people who do set deck for animation. Um, yeah. Because it's like, it's a similar conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. It's a shift. I don't know that it will ever completely replace the green screen. VFX hard VFX artists would love it to replace green screen. <laughs> true. Very true. Well, and that's the other, the other, uh, thing from the article that we were reading is it pushes a lot of the post-production to pre-production right because you know if you need like a speeder flying by on the mandalorian you can't that has to be designed produced rendered and like put into the the simulation long before they sh- long before they shoot a frame of film uh, yeah. Not that they shot frames of film. <laughs> um, but, you know, so that's like, uh, I would think production crews would embrace this technology for no other reason than it kind of nexes the the phrase, let's fix it in post, because you you can't. You can't. You have to do it first. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird because we've moved from doing effects in camera to doing them all in post to doing them all in camera again. It's just, it's this funny, yeah. it's funny how things just go, like it's a cyclical thing, but it's just, yeah, I, I really, I don't know. I mean, oh, and the other thing I actually wanted to talk about was the the whole green screen thing. I didn't really consider this to begin with, but will LA right now is the hub for production for sure. Hollywood stuff. That's just where it all is. I don't mm-hmm. think that's where most people are shooting these days because it's too expensive. Yeah. But will that cease to be that hub? Because now you don't have to. And I guess with green screens, you didn't have to do it anyway in LA. But now you really don't have to do anything there. And it's way cheaper to shoot stuff not in LA, no matter what's going on. Absolutely. I mean, ooh, all right, we're going to make some more enemies here. Uh, Good. Bring I on. would say like the only thing LA really has going for it right now is it's nice all the time and everybody lives yeah. there. That's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, like if you're shooting the Mandalorian, for instance, and, um, you know, you need to do a reshoot of something like your actor is likely there. No, yeah. I see. I even I say that and I don't believe that. Like I'm like, you know, your actor is likely on something else if you're doing reshoots. Um so like true true there's something to be said for everybody being located in the same place and the studio executives being there and you know the high caliber crew being there but yeah like you said like so many things now don't shoot in california and i think of like skywalker ranch and stuff like that which i think is in wyoming i'm pretty sure it's in wyoming yeah you know or um uh robert rodriguez's ranch uh in texas in yeah. texas you know like these are they're building these massive studio bases there that uh you know are just like easier and that's where that particular filmmaker or set of filmmakers for the skywalker ranch is located and like you bring it to them because like what does it matter if they get on a plane if someone has to get on a plane to fly for an hour or two hours like yeah so i'm rambling a little bit here but like i think it offers the potential for entire uh, productions to be able to be done in a location as opposed to, okay, yeah, we'll go do all the onset work in Boston or, you know, wherever. 
And then for the high end, like CG stuff, we'll come back to our, you know, huge green screen studios in Burbank. Yep. But like if Massachusetts or like, you know, somewhere in Boston can get, you know, one of these walls or something that's on a like caliber of that level. Yeah. Why not just shoot the whole thing there, especially with tax incentives? Yeah. And that's why I'm like, I mean, a lot of people have been moving to Texas recently just because of the taxes in California. Like tons of filmmakers are already there. Podcasters, musicians, they're all Mm -hmm. moving out there because they're like, no, it's too expensive in LA. And what are you offering me now that I don't get anywhere else because we have the internet. So you can market from your home in anywhere, anywhere for pretty much. Especially in a post COVID world of like, all of this stuff had to be decentralized for an extended period. And given they weren't doing a lot of production during that, but like, sure, I'm sure there were a lot of production companies that kind of figured out a world of, Hey, I don't really have to do this all in person. And when that's true, then yeah. What does it matter? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've heard a few things of different actors and whatnot quarantining, you know, where they grew up uh, and just being like, yeah, I don't really know. Like, if I need to go to LA for a week, sure. But I don't like. I don't want to. <laughs> I could just stay here and you know, not be surrounded by a billion people who are. Yeah, it's just no. I I, I understand. I totally understand it, and that's why it's weird because I'm in the process now of thinking about what I want to do with my filmmaking career and what sure. to do, where to move, and it's like, LA does not seem like the place to be anymore. I, I yeah. It's you know and. I don't know. We'll have to see. Again, it's with all this stuff, we're going to have to wait and see because we're in a really uh, fluid time uh, period in time where things are changing daily. Yeah, so, we're in like pre-post-COVID. It's yeah. like it's not really post-COVID yet, Like, so I don't no. know how things are going to be for that, but like we're like we're in that like starting to figure that out kind of thing, you know, and that's why I'm like actually pretty jazzed on the, uh, the film industry here in Massachusetts and things like that because I feel like there's going to be some good stuff coming down the uh, the barrel. Me too. Me too. I'm excited for all of that stuff. <sighs> all right. I also don't have a stupid segue for this one. <laughs> you know what else I'm excited for? See, I'm good with them, but then see, then I start talking. We got to do a <laughs> podcast where I don't talk so much. That's a, it's um, podcasts are for talking. Come on. It's now. true. Okay. <laughs> just cut it down by 45 minutes if we don't have my transition bullshit. Speaking of other things I'm excited for, we got our first trailer this week. And again, I say trailer with quotes. Massive Uh, quotes. Massive quotes, like four, like apostrophes, like double quotes for the Friends reunion. Um, Friends, the TV show. Friends, the TV show. HBO Max reunion. Episode conversation i think it's just like a get together kind of thing well so that's what i don't i think people get the wrong idea when you hear reunion and i I know when i hear reunion i'm like oh it's probably all of them back on the friend set sitting around talking about the show that's kind of what i think it's going to be whereas other people are like friends is back it's coming back it's like no, no, they're literally going to go and reminisce about how good the show was, and I'm and I'm totally for it because I love friends. Yeah. But 
I think that a lot of people get it confused as to this is like a comeback. It's like not really. And Friends will never come back. It's just obviously yeah. it's 20 years old at this point. Um, but I, what, are you th- what are your thoughts on Friends in general? <laughs> so I'm a Friends fan. Um, not nearly as much as my wife. But I, I watched it when they were coming out live every Thursday. You know, yep. must see TV. I I remember um, it was Seinfeld and then Friends. I like I like it. I think it's very much of its time period at this point. Um, yeah, yeah. Where like it's you know, uh, I, well, I don't want to say it's like it feels dated because I don't think it does because I watch plenty of it because it's yeah on HBO. But well, it doesn't feel dated to you or me. But I think if my sister or someone. My sister's like just turned eighteen, and anyone mm-hmm. under that, I don't think they would get it. Really, I'd, I'd buy that. Yeah, maybe I'm. Uh, maybe it's wrong. No, maybe I, wrong, I think but... that's true. But I think that's true of any kind of show that's in a point where, um, it would be doing a reunion. Sure. Yeah. Because it is like it's set up and it's there for this kind of um nostalgia, which you know the younger generation doesn't have. I'm sure if they did like a Oh, okay. I went for like a what's a young kids show and came up completely oh. blank. So um, <laughs> um, so that's uh, in the back of my head for the rest of the week. I don't know. Zach and Cody. He... Was Zach and Cody a thing? Yeah, but that was like, that, that was, was on when I was a kid. Too. Okay, shit. That was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was like early, early 2000s. I don't know. I I genuinely have no idea. Like like I, when I think of oh, what's a new show that the kids have watched? The boys probably not. That's okay. Well, here we'll we'll do this. This will not not as far back, but uh, they did a uh, Parks and Recreation reunion show. I fucking uh, missed that. Damn it. Yeah. That well, it was it was like a COVID thing, uh, and it was like a inspiring thing. I think Thirty Rock did one too, though I didn't see that one. Okay. Um, but they did a Parks and Rec one that was actually a genuine episode, like with all of them in character. Yeah. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, what it was. It's like, and it was on Hulu, um, and it was like actually really cool. And it was like it was a little PSAE of like Leslie Nope being like, "Hey guys, like we have to like quarantine and we have to you know do all this kind of stuff." So like, there's different levels of these like reunion shows and how they're executed um yep the other one i have in my head is they did a reunion episode of the west wing uh yeah uh like i I think again during quarantine but it was done as like a stage play um awesome which is cool yeah so like it's weird because when we talk about these those are the two that i go to is parks and rec and and the west wing and i'm like so if the friends reunion is going to be them sitting around talking about it you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm interested, but like less so like I care about Ross. I don't care about David Schwimmer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what it, what it comes down to me. And it like, it's interesting cause like all of them have gone on to have pretty successful careers. Like they all have had another series, at least one other series that they've starred in. So yeah. You know, that's that's something to be said, but like and of course I'll watch it like because it's the nostalgia thing. But I don't know how much them sitting around talking about it because especially because like. I would watch the show, but I wasn't like 
I wasn't old enough to be like deep in the cultural moment of it. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Like, I think I was like 10 or 12 or something when it was on and it was like, I can't oh, okay. relate with like, you know, 20 somethings living in New York. So yeah, I'm interested. I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? I'm kind of rambling over here. No, it's okay. I'm, I'm definitely interested. And honestly, I, so the other one, when you were talking about the, uh, the reunion shows that have come out in the past couple of years, Community actually did one too. I don't know if you watched oh, that yeah. one. Oh, yeah. I didn't the see table that read. one. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the you table should, read. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should, I did see that. Yeah. That was awesome. Pedro Pascal was, uh, he played the role that, who was it? Walton Goggins, I think he, he played that role. Yeah. He, basically, yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm I'm in for it just because I like behind the scenes stuff. So that's kind of what I'm thinking this is gonna be like. But I enjoy the like I would enjoy the either the table read or or an all new episode. Yeah. More. Like I would be more into that. Especially since like you're looking at the special guest list and I'm like, why? Some of them I understand, like Reese Witherspoon. Sure. Like I understand, like some of the people that have been, like Tom Selleck, like that's awesome. I'm so glad they're coming. Yeah. But then you have like Justin Bieber and BTS, and I'm like, what is this now? Like, is yeah. this like a WrestleMania fiasco? Is like, this what like a is this? Comedy Central roast of the Friends cat? Yeah. Like- exactly. So I'm like, n- that made me really nervous because now I don't know what this is supposed to be. Like, are these people all just supposed to rave about how good the show was? And if so, it is what it is. But I would love to see them all come back and just do a 25 or 22 minute episode. Yeah. Like I think that would be awesome and people would enjoy it. And the people who are going to tune into a reunion where they're just sitting around, like they're the only one, like the the people who don't like friends aren't going to tune into anything. So why don't you give the friends fans something that they actually want to watch versus people who like me and you would love to watch behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. I don't think everyone else would necessarily. Well, and I think there's a lot of comedy to be had of like, especially if it was like, if they just re filmed an episode or something like that of, oh, awesome. of all of them, you know, in these situations that happened to, you know, 20 somethings living in New York in the nineties yeah. as 50 somethings, uh, you know, just like, like, you know, Joey trying to pick up girls oh as like a, God. you know, which I guess is what all of his shows are, but like, yeah, or, but um, Chandler being a fool or Phoebe, yeah. like Lisa Kudrow. I, I would love that. Yeah. And that's, Cause it's but, been so long. Yeah. And like, that's the thing that I'm like that, like that I think would be a bigger draw, but like, this is where it comes back to him. Like, does a friend's reunion need a bigger draw? It's friends. And they've been teasing this. Like, it's the biggest sitcom of all time. Yeah. They've been talking about that. People have been asking for this since it ended. So it's like, there's no, the fact that they started to do it now is just, I think it's funny. I don't know why. Like, it's not like a special, like. I'm curious if it's, if it's a, a because there's been so many reunions recently that they're kind of like, no, well, maybe it's time we do. I, was, I feel like I just read they were doing another one too, though. I was like, oh yeah, that show. Um, like a sitcom? Yeah, there was like another. Oh wait, well this is different, but they're rebooting iCarly. Oh god, I, I don't, yeah. I don't know if that's yeah, that's yeah, yeah. post my generation. <laughs> I don't know. That would have been one of the ones I went to for uh, with the same people. With the same people, 
Oh God. I I think it's with the same. Maybe maybe not. I might be. Yeah, that would have been one of the ones I would have gone to for what the kids are watching these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which iCarly ended, I think, like five to seven years ago, which is still crazy. And I'm like, what the yeah. hell happened uh, to the time? God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna need a minute after this episode. <laughs> okay. So yeah, Friends reunion. I'm on board with. I'm gonna watch it. Everyone's gonna watch it. You know what I mean? It's Friends. Like everyone's gonna watch it. Yeah. It's gonna pull new people into HBO Max. Yeah. Which is something else, you know. Um, yeah, I I think that this is a big opportunity for them. Although I don't know in which way per se, because it's like they're not trying to redo with all of the shows that we just talked about who yeah. did reunions. It's not like they're trying to restart the show. Yeah. So it's just like it's just fan service at this point. So it is. Give the fans what they want. And are most Friends fans like huge cinema buffs? I probably not. I don't know, yeah. but I'm like, they're probably not like, oh, how'd they shoot that shot? Or well, how'd it'll they... be interesting because, like, I feel like most Friends fans are going to be really interested in like the drama behind, you know, Brad Pitt being in it and like what, yeah, like, what that was like. Or like, um, was Bruce, Bruce Willis, Willis. In Friends? Okay. Yes, okay. Was. I was like sitting here, I'm like, yeah, that might have been a different show and I'm just going to date myself even further. No, he um, was in it. It was yeah. awesome. <laughs> uh, like, and like, you know, so that's like, and Tom Selleck and like all these, what, it, like it was like shooting that thing. That to me, if I'm like this particular episode, like, oh, what went into that? That's cool. But like, I don't know, the the six of them just sitting around chatting comes off to me as more of like a, um, I don't know, like those episodes they do at the end of like, like reality shows where it's like, oh yeah, you won Top Chef, and then here's the everybody that was on Top Chef, and let's talk yep. about all the drama. And I'm like, I don't care about those episodes because the drama's not there. But say la vie. And well, and just as a parting note, I wonder if people like they're banking on people caring more about the actors than they do about the characters. And I think that for the most part, Friends has garnered this crazy following because the characters are so awesome yeah and it's not like i again like you said at the beginning i don't care about david schwimmer i don't really care about matt leblanc like yeah. i don't really care even about jennifer aniston to a point it's like yeah. i their lives are they're celebrities in hollywood and that's how it is i'm like i don't really care all that much i you know so so it'll be like it'll it'll be interesting to see how it toes that line of like how much it's about the character versus how much it's about the um actor oh yeah yeah and i love jennifer aniston so please nobody flame me for that i yeah. i'm just i just don't care about her <laughs> personal life all that much yeah so especially she's been like one of the higher drama people in hollywood i feel like but yeah i think so uh all right so i think did we have anything else we were going to talk about today not really no i, I think, think we're we just going to bring it back covered right? it. Yeah, yeah cool so let's bring it back you got a you got a recommendation for this week I do have a recommendation for this week, and it's not going to come in the form of video whatsoever. It's going to uh -oh. come in the form of another podcast, uh, but it's not the same kind of stuff as what we're doing, so it's not going to replace us by any means, but uh -oh. it's one that I just found. It's called Smartless. It is okay. a show hosted by Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes, okay. and it is... I just listened to... Uh, an episode for the first time today mm -hmm. and it was with Zach Galifianakis and it is just the amount of comfortability that those three guys have together it, mm -hmm. and the fact that they're all master like improv guys who sure. came from that circuit 
it's just so funny. It's just so funny. And they know, and all the guests they have, relatively speaking, they know about and they're friendly with. So it's just, it's just so funny. It's like a stand up comic podcast with an interview intermixed. And I just, nice. I fell in love with that episode. I, I couldn't say enough good things about it. And What's it's it probably one not more gonna, time? It's called Smartless. And Smart I think it's on, yes, Smartless. Yes. And I think it's on everything. Um, but I would say if you're a fan of, actors or comedy it's definitely something to check out because it was yeah had me in tears it was so funny nice (laughs) so that is mine what is your recommendation this week willis so mine is uh very much not a comedy thing um mine is a movie from 2002 uh Mm. called road to perdition oh um have you have you ever seen road to perdition i have not in a long time so road to perdition uh is a film directed by Sam Mendes uh, just after American Beauty. This is like his follow-up to American Beauty. Um, stars Tom Hanks, um, but also uh, uh, Daniel Craig, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, um, and uh, Paul Newman in yep. what would be his last uh, live-action role. But more more importantly, and the reason I'm kind of picking it as my... Uh, my choice for this week is it's shot by the late great Conrad Hall. Um, yes. It is the one. Of, it is the last uh, film that he shot. Uh, Conrad Hall is one of the greatest cinematographers of all time. Of all time. Um, and this movie is absolutely breathtaking. Like every frame, every frame is absolutely amazing. It is a dark movie. Um, going in, there is no like upbeat chipper part to it. Um, but it is also, I think one of the, <laughs> one of the last kind of like true blue, like gangster movies, you know, that I can think of, mm. you know what I mean? It was kind of like a tail end of like a lot of that kind of like untouchables, like, you know, trench yeah. coat and fedora gangster kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I think after this, we started making shift to like a more modern version of that, but absolutely worth worth checking out um i believe uh, i don't know where it's playing um prime prime so it's streaming on amazon prime um and paramount plus apparently and paramount plus if if anyone's (laughs) has if you have that let us know um but yeah definitely road to position road to perdition check it out if you need uh, a good classic crime drama so yeah hell yeah so you know what we didn't do this week, Josh? What did we do? We didn't tweet. Yeah, but no one tweeted at us, I don't think. That's true. So, but we promised we would. Well, this... I also feel like I haven't, shouldn't say anything because recording this on Monday. So we technically still have two days to tweet something. True. Um, so we have tweeted. Yes. We have tweeted. Yes. We'll leave it at that. Future us holding past us accountable. <laughs> yes. Oh um, God! So that'll do it on that wonderful <laughs> note. Uh, yes. That'll bring us home, uh, Josh. Where can people find your not tweets online? People can find my not tweets online on Instagram at Josh J Fuller. Where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at Willis Film, and uh, our podcast here has an Instagram uh, at Pixel Splitters, and then the the, the notorious Twitter is at pixel split pod please tweet at us on twitter 
please, please tweet, tweet at us. At us. <laughs> Somebody's going to do it, and we're just like, like five people could have tweeted at us, and I don't know. I haven't checked it this week. True. I guess I haven't checked, so I don't really Son know. Son of a bitch. <laughs> it's okay. We're new to this stuff, guys. Yes. Okay? Oh, Except God. like we're not, though. I've been on Twitter for like 11 years. True, true. I, we're new to doing this and then marketing it on Twitter. Yes. That's that's what I'm exactly. trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. It's good talking to you, Josh. You too, man. I'll talk to you <laughs> next week. Yes. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yes. Thank you all for tuning in, guys.